All right, for the last couple of weeks, uh, I've been uh, preaching through a new vision statement uh, for Trinity Alliance. And uh, if you're uh, newer to our church, then you don't have a lot of context. Uh, so we just encourage you to hang in there. Uh, but uh, we uh, just wanted to start with this recognition that even though we're only, I'm only preaching three weeks on this vision statement, in essence, this is all I'm going to be preaching about for the rest of my time here until we come up with something new that the Lord leads us to. Uh, this, this is not just a three-week uh, fleshing out of what this looks like. This is uh, really a week-to-week -week fleshing it out. And so, uh, although this is the last one that's going to be called uh, Enjoying Jesus, uh, the vision uh, series, it uh, is going to be continuing to be put before us each week as I bring different messages about different passages of Scripture and as I finish off uh, 1 Corinthians here over the month of October and November. And so I uh, just encourage you with that. If, if you still maybe find yourself trying to figure out what this is all about and what it means, just be encouraged that this isn't it, that you don't have to have it all figured out uh, after this service this morning. Um, but I do hope that in some sense that this morning will kind of help to bring everything kind of down to, okay, what is this all about? Uh, because really the last two weeks has a lot of been about uh, perspectives, right, and paradigm shifts. And so, uh, but there hasn't been a lot of practical, okay, what does this look like living this out? And so this morning, I hope we can get there and, and spend some time there. But again, that fleshing out is going to take some time. And what this looks like as we live it out uh, individually in our lives, but also what it looks like as we live it out as a church is going to take potentially months and years to kind of continue to see how God develops that in us. Uh, last week, I, I, I did not finish uh, my message, and so had to cut it off a little early. I don't, you know, sometimes, you know, and this, that just happens. And so I want to finish up last week's message before I jump into this week's message. So sit back and relax. We're going to be here a while. No, just joking. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I just want to briefly kind of review what I preached last week a little bit, a couple of key items, because last week I was trying to dig into the three statements under our vision statement, which uh, the, uh, the overarching uh, slogan, if you will, is that we are a community that is fully enjoying our relationship with Jesus Christ. And then there's three statements under that that I, I wanted to flesh out last week. I got through two of them, so this morning we'll finish the third one. Uh, just as a, a way of refresher, the voice of God was the first uh, point that we were talking about. This relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, God's word and prayer, is, is really about the communication that we have with God. That recognizing that we have a God who communicates, and it's about us developing our ability to hear and listen to his voice. That, that we learn, I used the illustration of um, poor, my poor wife last week about our marriage relationship, right? And, and over and over again I used it. But for this particular one, the illustration was that we would be able to finish each other's sentences. That, w that when she begins to speak or tell a story, I already know where she's going. And oftentimes I know even before she says a word. Because after 28 years of marriage, you just begin to get to know how each other communicates. And we want the same experience with God. This is what the relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, God's word and prayer is all about. Is learning to discern God's voice and to understand and recognize his voice. But also even be able to end his sentences, finish his sentences for him. 
the second uh, thing that we looked at last week, the second statement is understanding the family of God, that, that when we become a Christian, it's just not an individual thing between me and God, but we are brought into a relationship with family. The illustration I used of the family, because oftentimes we use brothers and sisters and how nice is that, but no, 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 it's, it's more like in-laws oftentimes, right? The, the, it's challenging. You, you didn't really buy into that, right? When, you, when I married Debbie, I, you know, she came with a lot of baggage, right? I mean, I thought it was just going to be, I thought it was just going to be her and I and all that, but no, she's got her family too, and, and so I've had to get to know them, and it, it, it requires relationship with them, and this is the same. When we come to Jesus, we are, we are married into a family, and we have to get to know them as well and spend time with them, and we need to develop those relationships, and, and as we are enjoying this relationship with God, he draws us into those relationships with our in-laws, uh, and so the, the second uh, phrase is journeying in life with our church family in honesty and humility. And then this is, leads us to the third part, and this is the new stuff for this morning that we didn't finish last week. And, and that is the third area is that we have, to, we, we have to understand the voice of God. We have to spend time in the family of God, but we also need to learn the heart of God. We, we have to understand his love, the depth of love that he has for all of his creation. That not just for those of us who have already received but there are a lot of people out there that still haven't received yet. And really the illustration back to the marriage relationship is, is this, that, that the more time that Debbie and I spend together, you know, over 28 years, we were actually just looking at pictures yesterday, uh, you know, mother-in-law, she pulls out a bunch of pictures of us back when we were younger and all that kind of stuff. But the amazing thing about these pictures, and maybe you've noticed this if you've been married for a long time, that after a while you begin to actually kind of look like each other. Right? You, you start to dress alike. You start to have the same kind of glasses. You, you, you know, you have the, the same smile lines. I never got her dimples, but, you know, I wish I would because she's got awesome dimples. But, uh, but you begin to look like each other, right? You, you begin to not only look like each other, you begin to sound like each other. You, you say the same things. And you also begin to act like each other. You begin to do the same thing. And you find that over time, that relationship, you, we become this, there's this oneness so that now we're operating as one. And this is the same thing. God has a heart and a passion for the lost. And as we spend time with him, we will begin to look like him, sound like him, and act like him in this world with a, with a passion and a heart for the lost as well, reaching out to them and, and sharing his love with them. The engagement, uh, the statement is that we are engaging with the love of God. Excuse me, we are engaging in relationship with our neighbor. I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get the statement correct. Sorry. We are engaging our neighbor, neighbor with the love of God in authentic and caring relationship. This is the statement, and, and I want to flesh out the three statements. First of all, the neighbor. What, is, what do I mean by neighbor? Sometimes you can say, oh, well, neighbor, that just means the guy that lives next door to you, right? And, and it does mean the guy next door to you, but it means more than that, of course. It's not just the ones who are across the street from you. It's also the ones who are across the border from you, the ones who are across the ocean from you. 
the neighbor part means the entire world, wherever God leads us. But understanding as well that God hasn't necessarily called individually each of us to all of those places. God is calling each of us individually to different groups. Like we heard from Elizabeth, she's called to this Muslim world. This, this is what God is drawing her into at this point in her life. But not all of us are called to the Muslim world. I remember when I was a high schooler and exploring what God was calling me into. I knew he wanted me to go into ministry, but what was that going to look like? Was it the mission field? And I, and I asked that question, God, is the mission field for me? Is this where you want me to go to, to other cultures and other worlds in this, in this world and, and, and to reach out and share your love with them? And after a couple of mission trips, I came back and I realized, no, that's not where God was calling me. He's calling me to the church in America to inspire, to, to love on to care and, and to develop those who are in America. Now, that's been, you know, the last 25 or so years that he's done that for me. That's where my call has been, but someday it may change. But the point is, is all of us have a different call. Some of us, it is that neighbor next door to us or across the street. God's calling us to develop a relationship with them so that we can love on them and care for them. Others of us, it is across oceans. And we all need to just be aware of all of those neighbors and what we can do and where God wants us to engage but also, if we're going to engage, we need to engage in authentic relationship. It has to be authentic relationship. It's not about conversion. So often, we have failed as church in America because we make it all about the prayer, make it all about the conversion, that that's the only reason that we're having this relationship with them. That's the only reason that we walk up to somebody at the park and begin to ask them questions about Jesus, right? It's because we want the conversion. And, and understand, it's coming from a good place. We have a heart for, uh, for the lost. We want people to come to know Jesus, and so we want to make sure we present that. It has to be authentic relationship. Jesus loves them just as they are, where they're at. And we need to be Jesus for them. We need to have that kind of relationship. The relationship that they have with this, with us, is that stepping ground to a relationship with Jesus. And so we need to, I mean, we're not perfect. We're not Jesus, but we need to be as close to that as we can for them so that when they step into relationship with us, they can easily see the relationship that they can step into with Jesus, that his love for them is also authentic, that it's not just about them being his servant. It's not just about him having another number on his you know, board to say, oh, look, I want another one, that he loves them. But it also needs to be caring relationship. It, it, it's going to be hard. It's not easy to develop relationships with others. We need to care about them, care about their physical needs, their emotional needs, their spiritual needs. Again, it's not just about the conversion. It's not just about their spiritual condition. We need to understand the physical needs that they have, the emotional needs they have, and we need to try to reach out in that as well. It is not an easy thing. It takes sacrifice. It's sometimes really hard. It sometimes takes a lot of effort from us. The question is, are we willing to do that? Jesus has put in all this effort for us. He's also put in that effort for them. Are we, are we willing to be that living sacrifice in their life as well? So the heart of God is, the third, is what the third statement is all about. That enjoying a relationship with Jesus Christ is found when we engage our neighbor with God's love in authentic and caring relationship. 
All right, so that uh, completes kind of going through each of the statements. But today I want to shift gears now and, and to be able to kind of look at what's next. And I think some of you are maybe asking that question. Okay, this is all great, Sean. You, you've got this idea that the goal of our lives is to love God and to love others. I can buy into that. I accept that. Although, you know, maybe, you know, that's a little bit different than what most churches maybe. I mean, it's not that they don't want that, but many churches focus on the doing part, right? And, and we're going to focus on the being. Okay, I can, I can embrace that. Salvation has is, is, is been defined as perfectly, a perfect loving relationship with God. And, and then that perfect relationship happens at the moment of salvation. The moment we, we bow our knee to Jesus, we have this perfect relationship with God. It's not something we have to work for or try to obtain. It's something we already have. It's ours already. The presence of God is always with us. We don't need to try to get closer to God. And again, this is a paradigm shift. Oftentimes churches, you know, today they, they look at, you know, this linear perspective of sanctification, trying to get closer to God. So they give their life to Christ here, but they're way, way away from God. And so the rest of their life they're trying to get closer to God. We're saying, no, no, no. Scripture teaches that actually we have it all the moment we pray the prayer. The moment we come into relationship with God, we have all of that. But what we're missing, and then it goes to the next thing, and this is the point that I want to get into, is sanctification. So what does that look like then? And this is the point, again, of our statement, enjoying our relationship with Jesus Christ. Sanctification is about enjoyment, not about obtaining something that we don't have. It's about enjoying what we already have. Sanctification is about enjoying this relationship that we have with God through relying, through journeying, through engaging. But that still leaves a question. Questions about sanctification. What does it look like? What does enjoyment look like? How do we measure that enjoyment? And what, if anything, do we do? And I've heard that, you know, are we just, are we just supposed to sit around and, 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 you know, have a cup of coffee with Jesus all day long? Is that what it's about? Although that sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, oh my gosh. Imagine the coffee that he brews. That just came to me. That just came to me. Thank you, Jesus. That was so good. Anyway. <laughs> it would be so good, right? But is that it? Is that, all, is, that our, is that our life, right? Is it just sitting around, hanging out with Jesus? Or is there something that we can do? And, and here, here, here I want to be really honest with you guys, that there are real challenges in this vision. And, and, and the challenge is, first of all, that it's a mystery. It, it's, it is a mystery. We, there's no way to clearly define what it looks like. Because it looks different for everybody. It, you know, as, as I cast this vision, I, I just realize, and this is some of the wrestling match that I've had with God recently, is just, God, I, I've experienced this in my life, but I've never experienced a church that has this kind of perspective. That there, there's a keen focused on this relationship side. I've, I've, I've never seen uh, it done in a church. I've never seen a discipleship program for how this works out and what it looks like in real life. And, and the struggle that I have is that I've, I've, I sense and I feel like I need to give you that. But the reality is I can't because that's kind of the whole point, that it's each of us individually seeking first Jesus. It, we can't define it. 
it's going to be a little bit kind of messy and, and uh, it's not going to feel maybe comfortable and it's, and it's not going to feel very organized sometimes. It's a mystery, but it's also personal. I've already kind of mentioned this, but the measurements for enjoying our relationship with Jesus are defined personally. It happens between you and Jesus. You will experience that enjoyment you will understand that enjoyment. You will live, be able to live out that enjoyment. But it's going to, again, be different for every one of us. It's a personal measurement, not something that's corporate. We can't give you a, 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 you know, a measurement line to say, everybody come in every day and we can see how, how you measure up. And if everybody measures up on this line, then you're good. No, it's, it's different than that. But it's also risky. Because there's a real possibility of just being lazy. And, and this is why so often our churches give us measurements and give us lines to strive for. It's because we're afraid of laziness. We're afraid if we don't give them something to shoot for, even if it may not be the best thing for them, at least it's a good thing. It's discipleship of some sort that then they'll, at least they'll be doing something and they won't be just sitting around on their bottoms all day long, right? And so there's risk in not giving a measurement. There's a risk in not giving a clearly lined out discipleship path. Because we could be lazy, but also because it's unpredictable. Who knows what God's going to do? I mean, the disciple, Jesus was talking to, his, to, to Nicodemus, actually, and he's saying, who knows? He says, you're going to need to be born again first. And then he goes on, the Spirit kind of just moves wherever he pleases. And it's like the wind. We don't know where it came from. We don't know where it's going. It just happens. And if we're all relying on Christ, if we're all living by the Spirit, then who knows what's going to happen? It's unpredictable. Who knows what's going to happen numerically in this church? It, we might grow. We might, get, we might shrink, right? We might get less people. We don't know what the Spirit's going to do. We don't know if it's going to lead to street ministry. We don't know if it's going to lead to Muslim ministries. We don't know if it's going to lead to more stuff going on Bella Vista or at Simpson or Shasta College. It's unpredictable. We don't know. So this is risky. And, and I just want to be honest with you where I'm at, and I think where our elders are at as well, is that we recognize that this is, this is kind of ambiguous a little bit. But I want to give you this morning a, a, another image that will help to under, maybe understand where we're coming from and, and the perspective that we're bringing to sanctification, how we live this out. And it's, I call it the plateau. Most of the time when we look at discipleship programs or sanctification, we, all, we often look at that we're at the bottom of a mountain and when we become Christian, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, when we become a Christian, we're at the bottom of the mountain, and God is at the top of the mountain, and, and our sanctification process is climbing this mountain to get closer to God. But I want to say, no, 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 I think it's a plateau instead of a mountain. What I mean by this is it's a plateau at the top of the mountain. We're in the presence of God. We are with him perfectly. But it's at the top. We're not trying to climb the mountain. We're at the top of the mountain already. We're in his presence. We look around and it's all here. But when we look around, what we see is a lot of nourishment. Fruits, vegetables, some nut trees. 
Matter of fact, I need some volunteers to stand up for me. And you don't have to say anything. You just have to say, well, you can say something if you want to. But you just need to stand up. Who would be willing to take a stand? Come on, take a stand for Jesus. There's one. Yes. Rick, yeah. Yes. Yes. In the back. Go. You got to stand up now. Go ahead and stand up. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. Anyone else? We need another one over here. Someone. Come on. Brave soldier over here. There we go. A couple. Oh, look at that. We got all kinds now. All right. Like, I love it. All right, so it says this, we're at the plateau, and, and as a Christian, we've just got onto this plateau, the top of the mountain with God's presence, and we look around, and we see an almond tree, and we see a peach tree, and, and we see a grapevine back there in the back, and, and we see a banana tree, and <laughs> trying to be careful, trying to be careful. I know this, you know, this, this, there's so much danger here. Um, you see, uh, uh, let's see, what else? A nut tree, not a nut tree, an orange tree. <laughs> An orange tree. That was Freudian, sorry. Um, I love you so much. So good. You're going to sit down now before I get to you? I'll let you choose. Apricots, all right. And Doris, yes. Dorothy, what? Peach. Okay, are you a peach? I thought you were a peach. He's a peach. You're nectarine. All right, anyway, so we have all this fruit. And when we get up there, this is what we tend to do, and this is what we this is what our what our 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 focus often comes. It's like, oh my gosh, I really love peach trees. And so we run over here to the peach tree. Like, oh I love peaches, yay! This is so awesome. Oh, it's so good, right? And we hang out at the peach tree because we love peaches. And this is where we stay. Until maybe something happens and it causes us to go, oh man, there's a disruption. What? Man, those peaches aren't just tasting as good anymore. So I need to go find some grapes maybe. And so I run back to the grapes. Ah, look at this, grapes. <laughs> and we, so we spend some time with the grapes. And then we see someone who, who's really into to almonds. And, and they're over hanging out in the almond tree. And so... We go, oh, hey, they look like fun. Let's go hang out in the almond tree, right? Woo, yeah, we're over here, nice. Such a great almond. So, all right, y'all can sit down now. So the point is, is that we make the decisions or we let other people make the decisions of how our sanctification is going to work out. But here's another important point, is that all of the fruit is at the same level. The almond fruit is not better than the peach fruit. The grapes aren't better than the apricots. All, all the fruit is the same. And so with the plateau illustration, the important thing is, is first to recognize that it's all the same, but also to recognize it's not my choice of where to go because we have Jesus, and he knows what we need. He knows what we're going to face and so he knows that we're going to need vitamin C at a certain point in our life. And so he'll make sure that we're by the orange tree if we follow him. But if we don't, if we just do it our own way, or if we follow other people, then we're only going to be at the almond tree, and when we're going to be sick, we're not going to have what we need in order to get through it. And then that's, when we're, we, that's where Christians begin to bail out on their faith. I think I said, God, I've been doing it. I've been at the almond tree all my life. This is how I've experienced you. And now my life is in chaos, and you're not caring for me. You're not giving me what I need. Where are you, God? Now, don't get me wrong. He is always right by us. 
But unless we follow him, we will not have the nourishment that we need at the time that we need it. And this is the call of sanctification, to see it this way. It is not about us getting and climbing a mountain. It's about us being on the plateau and recognize that all the fruit is the same in in its value. But the only difference is what fruit we're going to need at what time. And because we don't know the future, the only one who can help us with that is Jesus. It comes down to having a rhythm of sanctification where each day we get up and we say, Jesus, where are you today? Where are we going today? What are we doing? What am I going to need today? We have to ask, we have to listen, and we have to follow. Wherever he leads. Now, get, don't get me wrong again. If we decide to go a different direction than where Jesus is going, he's with us. It's not like he's over at the almond tree waiting for us while we're over with the bananas. Or going bananas. <laughs> right? He's still with us. But he wants more for us. He knows what we need. So we need to follow him in that. The results of plateau sanctification is that Jesus leads us to rely on the Holy Spirit, God's word and prayer. And while we're relying more on the Holy Spirit, God's word and prayer, we are more fully enjoying his will. This is our desire as Christians, to do God's will. Right? We, we want to live righteously. We love him. We want to respond that. We want to do the right things. We want to know his will. And so if we are plateau sanctification, following his lead, he will lead us into relying on the Holy Spirit, God's word and prayer, so that we will be able to hear his voice, so that we will be able to know his will and follow him in that. We will live out righteousness. But more than that, we'll also also be able to more fully enjoy his presence. We'll be loved by God in new and powerful and wonderful ways. You see, when, when we're going our own way, he wants to love us, but part of his love is by nourishing us. But if we're doing our own thing... He can't love us. It's not that he doesn't love us, that he can't share that with us in a way that we can appreciate and accept. Another result is that Jesus will lead us to journey with our church family. We will be able to more fully enjoy being the body of Christ. We will be living out family together. When we follow Jesus, not to try to do it on our own, but when we follow Jesus and follow where he is leading us to. But we're also going to more fully enjoy his care and provision for us. We will be blessed by God. Because again, we'll get to the fruit that we need at the time. And he will draw us into new fruit that we've never experienced before. It won't just be the same old, you know, peaches over and over again. It'll be diverse. It'll be stuff that we never thought we'd like. Some of it may be hard, like almonds, right? They're hard to get out, right? Those shells are really hard to get to. 
some of it will be so sweet if we just follow him. And Jesus will lead us to engage with our neighbors. And, and, and here's where we will be able to more fully enjoy being with Jesus. Living out evangelism. Again, this is the heart of God. Bringing more people into his family. It's not about just going out and choosing what we want to do evangelism-wise. It's about following Jesus into that. Some of us want the glamour of going overseas and being seen as this missionary who sacrificed and gave everything for Jesus. But that is selfish. Jesus may not be calling you overseas. Now it's not that he won't use you. It's not that you won't see fruit from it. It's not that great things won't happen. But our call is to follow Jesus where he leads, not just to do our own thing. And when we follow Jesus, we won't burn out. When we follow Jesus, we won't get tired of doing what we're doing. We won't fall away from the faith. We will always be encouraged. We will always be there, and we will experience his empowerment and his glory in ways we never thought possible. We will be used by God in amazing and powerful and beautiful and lovely ways. Again, these are the hearts. This is what our heart is. We long to love God. We long to to do righteousness. We we long to be in relationship with his family. We long to share his love with the world. How do we do that? We always look at the actions first and forget the relationship. That's the difference with this vision is that, no, we're going to focus on Jesus first and expect that he's going to lead us into these things. So what is the role of our church leadership in this? What is the role of the elders? What is the role of the pastors in this kind of ambiguous discipleship track? First of all, our role is to promote Jesus. To be, to be pointing everybody to Jesus. I, I, I don't want you to follow me. I want you to follow Jesus like I'm following Jesus. Not like behind me, but next to me. That we're both looking at Jesus. We, I, we need, as leadership, to point everyone to Jesus over and over and over again. We need to remind people that it's about Jesus. Have you asked Jesus recently what he wants you to be doing? Or do you just do it because you've always done it? We also need to be living this out in our own lives, and that's probably the hardest thing. That we would be focused on Jesus trying to live for him and follow him wherever he leads. But also we need to support you in this. We need to give you tools that will help you to be able to figure this out. One of the tools we're talking about is creating basically a spiritual practices list, a bunch of lists of, of spiritual disciplines, but also of just different ministry act, uh, ministries that we have in the church or in our community that you can get involved in. That, you, that would help you with these, this enjoyment part of, and, and, but not to say, here's a list of things that you need to do, but to give you a list of things, these are all the possibilities of things that God could call you into, and then there's a line that says other. So, so that's a tool we can give you to say, hey, uh, once a year, once a quarter, once you know, a month, once a day, get up and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do today? What are you calling me into today? What are the practices that I need to have? We also need to do some training through mentoring others, through conferences, through just regular teaching and those kind of things. So, so tools and training is, is a part of our support. But we also need to inspire. We need to highlight what's going on. 
highlight those who are listening, highlight certain practices that maybe some of us don't know a lot about. Not a lot of people fast today, right? So maybe spend some time teaching about fasting. Not to say that everybody has to fast, but to say, hey, this is something that maybe you don't know a lot about, you don't understand. Here's, uh, let me explain it to you. This is how it's been done throughout history. This is how God often works in it. Maybe that's God calling you into it. But to certain practices and certain traditions to talk about those things. But also to celebrate. Inspiration is about celebrating the stories of enjoyment. As we hear of stories of people that are enjoying more fully the relationship that they have with Jesus Christ, we can get them up here on a member highlight and say, hey, this is what's going on in their life. This is what God did. I started fasting a few months ago, and, and I, I was doing it every week, one day a week, and, and this is what God began to do in my life. And this is how the fruit that he gave me through that inspired or helped me at a time when, uh, when tragedy happened or whatever it may be that we would hear those stories so we need to inspire but we also need to give opportunity we need to give you the opportunity to make commitments to follow Jesus over and over and over and over again it's because it, commit you know this is salvation is not not a one-day choice right it's an everyday choice it's not that we keep going in and out of our salvation that's not my point my point is is that every day we have to once again wake up and say I'm going to be a living sacrifice for Christ and so we, as leadership, need to give you the opportunity to make these commitments to follow Jesus. But we also need to give you the opportunity for accountability. One of the things we're talking about is some way for you to share with us, anonymously, not publicly, what God is calling you into. What, what are the practices that he's, what are the ministries that he's calling you into? That you have gone to prayer and you said, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And these are the things, these are the impressions that have come about in your mind or through activities or through teaching that you've heard or people that just all of a sudden started talking about it. And you're like, wow, where'd that come from? That's weird. I was praying about it and I felt that same, you know, so whatever that is that you'd be able to share that with us so that we could, as a leadership, help to keep you accountable to maybe send you an email every once in a while. Hey, how's things going with this? What's happening? How is, the, how is the Lord using it? But also, and this is, I think, huge, we have to give you the opportunity to try again. And, and I think this is the greatest news of this whole thing. See, on the mountain, when we're climbing the mountain, when we fail, it feels like we always fall back. When we stumble, we, we're always rolling back away from God so often how many have we talked how many times have we talked about our own relationship that we had we backslid it's like every time we're not doing what we think we're supposed to be doing then we fall further away from God on the plateau we never fall away from God see we're always in that intimate love relationship with him he's always there when we fall down we as leadership need to give everyone an opportunity to try again without guilt, without shame, just saying, all right, I failed this week. That's all right. This is a new week. Let's go. So once again, the vision, worship team, why don't you come up as I just go through this one more time. We are fully enjoying our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not something we're striving to get. It's something we already have, this relationship with Jesus. And so sanctification is about just enjoying that. It's about experiencing. It's about becoming more aware of this amazing relationship that we have. Aware of God's presence right next to us. Aware of God's provision and care and the nourishment that he's giving us. 
aware of his leading and his direction, aware of what he is doing around us and seeing him and joining him in that. This is enjoying the relationship with Jesus Christ. And we enjoy that relationship with Jesus Christ when we are relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, God's word and prayer. It is about that communication to be able to learn how to finish his sentences for him, to be able to know what he's going to say before he says it. This is the goal, to to, to know God's will and to walk in it. He is speaking to us. May we be a people who learn to listen, to learn to hear, and learn to follow him wherever he leads. And journeying in life with our church family in honesty and humility. We have a family that we have been married into. Jesus, our bridegroom, and we the bride. And we have been married into his family. And this is a bunch of in-laws that we've got to learn how to get along with. But we need to do it in honesty and humility. To be honest with one another. To let people see our failures. To let see people see our sin. To let people know that we're just human and we're struggling. But also to do it with humility. To recognize that we need each other. We need to have this relationship. This is where God pours out his love into our life is through people. And also, we are led into engaging our neighbor with the love of God in authentic and caring relationship. You see, enjoying our relationship with God is not about sitting around and sipping coffee because Jesus is always working. If we will focus our eyes on Jesus and if we follow him wherever he goes, we will be doing more than we ever would do in our entire life without him. This is the point of John 15. Abide in me because without me you can do nothing. And the point is this. We spend our lives doing a whole bunch of stuff for Jesus. But it's nothing. Because we're not following him. It's not what he's doing. Can we follow Jesus? And if we do, if we keenly focus our attention on him, I believe we'll be more active than anybody else. It may not look like that on the outside because oftentimes he leads us into slower lifestyle, a slower rhythm. But we'll be doing exactly what Jesus desires for us to do. This is the vision for all of us individually, for all of us corporately, to enjoy our relationship with Jesus Christ to the fullest. Amen.